Discipleship. Uh, we started this series probably about four weeks ago now. We've had Megan come and join us. Uh, that was fantastic. We've had Ed come and join us last week. And we've got Hayley today as well, which I'm really excited to hear from Hayley. If you've missed any of it, then check it out on our YouTube channel. And uh, you can catch up on all, all the previous sermons on there as well. So uh, very quickly before I hand over to Mark and Fran. Very quickly before I hand over to Mark and Fran. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a very quick question. This is the importance and significance of discipleship, which is this. I did this in my sermon a few weeks ago. Think of five sermon titles that have changed your life. Okay? And now think of five people that have changed your life in terms of walking for and with Jesus. And the answer probably is that five people have shaped and formed your life more than five sermon titles. They're all equally as important, do not get me wrong. But discipleship is really key. But we're, well, I'm now going to invite Mark and Fran up just to unpack a little bit about how simple discipleship can be. Because we're worried that maybe the church thinks it's a little bit, it's not for me, but it is. So anyway, I'll shut up now. I've got a microphone. Thank you. Hi. Um, I can see that a few of you are probably a bit football-weary from last night. But I have got... I'm not going to sing you a song, by the way. But I've got some words, especially for those that I know are Liverpool fans. um, Because I think it's relevant for this morning. Didn't check this with Jim, so Jim, hope it's okay. Um, So the words are, when you walk through a storm... And I'm not trying to rub it in, I promise. This is relevant to what we're talking about. So when you walk through a storm... Hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on through the wind, walk on through the rain, though your dreams be tossed and blown. Walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart and you'll never, ever walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. And that's a Crystal Palace fan that's just recognized you Liverpool guys are probably suffering. So anyway, so just to talk about a little bit about discipleship. So I have a few years' experience of discipleship, um, but what I want to share is just one person I've been uh, walking with for the last 10 years. So... I don't think he's here. He's definitely not here. So it's a guy called Phil that I've been with now for, or meeting with for over 10 years. So he was in the same group at me at, at church, but there was something about him that made me connect with him. Um, we challenged each other to keep going, especially when life got tough. We both wanted to grow in our faith, and we both wanted to sharpen each other. We made a commitment to get together every few weeks and we have celebrated so many answered prayers and we continue to encourage each other when God says wait and by the way if you hadn't guessed it there are many more times when he says wait than answering the prayers so we make ourselves available as well in between those weeks when we meet for those urgent prayer requests before a difficult meeting a family problem, or just when there is a need to talk. Because we always know that God wants what's best for us, even if sometimes we get a bit impatient. And here's the thing as well that I've had to learn. So we also make ourselves accountable for each other or to each other. So if there's a, a thing that we're struggling with, and that might be tough, and I'm not suggesting we do that in day one, by the way, but we'll share that thing with the other person. 
and then they can check up on how we're doing in that situation. So we continue to celebrate together, laugh together, that's the easy bit, and cry a lot together and are strong for each other in the tough periods. And I think we've all had COVID recently. So, I mean, when I say had it, I mean we've been in the season of COVID um, and that's been really, really tough. But we have grown in our faith. In fact, we don't know how we would ever have walked solo before this time. And we're definitely stronger together. And we're still meeting together after 10 years. But by the way, not every connection or walking with someone will last 10 years. Um, But we feel that's a really encouraging thing for us all to do. So just to summarize, and I know people like a summary in three points. So for me, discipleship can be summarized in three things. Or the benefits of them are, number one, it builds humility. And I think the key thing to say there is humility is for me all about listening. And I think there is really talking to us guys there. That doesn't mean go and befriend someone and then spend the whole time talking. It probably means talk a lot less than we probably do. I'm speaking to myself there, I think. And number two, discipleship unites us with fellow believers, which is great. But then we need to learn to share. So there's no point meeting up with someone if you don't share anything at all. And then number three is, and most importantly, it equips us for faithfulness. But we need to... We need to know each other to show us how to do things. So sometimes we're with someone who's got a lot more experience with us. So maybe learn from them rather than just keep going around the same cycle over and over again and doing the same silly things over and over again. And I feel with all those three things, I'm talking to myself more than you guys. Um, and to finish, two are definitely stronger than one. And I would encourage everyone to do it. Okay, so discipleship and the spiritual formation that comes through discipleship doesn't happen through wishful thinking. It happens by um, intentionality. So we are going to give you guys the opportunity at the end of the service to come and see Mark and I at um, the table out in the foyer. And if you would like to either disciple somebody or be discipled, then we would love you to come and sign up. If you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't actually know where to start, we have thought of that, and we have come up with these, I was going to say wallet cards, but let's be realistic, they'll fit in your mobile phone cover, Um, and they give you a prompt, and they just give you some questions to start with as you start building um, that kind of accountable relationship with the person that you are paired up with. If you've got somebody in mind that you know, great, let us know, we'll make sure you get paired up with them. If you're thinking, actually, I have no idea who I could pair up with, that's fine. We will try and pair you up suitably with somebody that you can start to get to know. Um, It doesn't matter where you start from, where you think you are on your Christian faith journey. It's all about the direction of travel. Is That is the important thing of helping each other become more like Jesus. So if you're interested, please come and see us. Thank you. It's been really good uh, over this last couple of weeks just to hear how some of you are really engaging with it and feeling churned up by discipleship. So this is the moment. This is to stick your neck out and get involved. And I really think that it will start to grow this culture of discipleship amongst the church, which is what we want, isn't it? Isn't it? We've been on this journey of discipleship for the last three or four years, acknowledging this is what we want. We're good in churches, I think, getting people into the doors. We're not so good at developing that maturity and faith and walking alongside each other. So do it. If you're feeling a little bit nervous, it's probably the Holy Spirit, so go with it. Um, right, I'm going to invite Haley up now to come and give our 
um, I'll talk for us. Round of applause for Hayley. Hello. Okay? Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, so this is Hayley. Hayley, you were with us how many years ago? Um, maybe like 10 years ago. 10 years yeah. ago. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, time flies. Yeah. So you got involved, uh, Hayley got involved with us through our youth group at the time called Edge, uh, which was for, for community young people. And uh, through that, you found out more about Jesus and yeah. got more involved and uh, committed your life to him. And you now work for... UCCF, um, who some of you might know. Um, they're the organisation that look after Christian unions across the UK. Um, I'm based in Cardiff, so I work with students who are part of the Cardiff University Christian Union and also a small place called Pontypridd, which you might not have heard of because I never had before I moved to that part of the country. Um, helping them um, live and speak for Jesus for, as they are as students, like Jesus has called them into the places that they are, and my job is to help them make the most of that opportunity, um, but I'm also trying to equip them to make disciples of the people around them, um, helping them shine a light for Jesus and, and work with others to show them that, yeah, Jesus is worth knowing and he's worth giving their lives to. So, Fab, thank yeah. you. And you're here with Di, your husband. Yeah, we've yeah. dressed really embarrassingly quite similarly today, <laughs> so if you're not sure which one my husband is, look for the guy who's wearing the same outfit as me. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you, is that okay? Yeah, great. Father God, I just thank you for Haley, thank you for my sister in Christ, Lord. Thank you that she loves you, you love her. Just anoint her now, fill her with your spirit, uh, so that she speaks your words for us today, your church, in your powerful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it's a real privilege to be back here. Um, very weird to be the person standing on the stage and delivering the talk. And it's quite a momentous day for me today because this is my first ever Sunday sermon. So you've taken a chance this morning. Um, but I'm really thankful that you have. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you on this topic in particular. Um, as we were just saying, I was part of the family back here at Loxheath when it was called Loxheath Free Church. Around 2012, I went to university. Um, but it's a, yeah, a really great to be back here with you guys. Um, and actually, I'm really excited to speak on this particular topic um, because I guess through my time here as a youth um, and also in my work with the Christian unions working alongside students, I've learned a lot about what it means to help people grow in love and likeness of Jesus. I'm not an expert by any means, um, but I've really been challenged to think about what does it mean to be a disciple and what does it mean to disciple others as well. Um, from the very first moment of starting to explore Jesus here for myself, I was surrounded by people who intentionally asked me questions, um, who answered my questions, who challenged me and encouraged me. And as I've grown as a Christian over these last few years, it's been a huge blessing to me to realize just how well equipped I was to live for Jesus through my time here. I was helped through my teenage years, which some of you probably are very aware can be some of the toughest times in your life as you work out what does it mean to live for Jesus. Um, I was helped through like party life and, and what does it mean to live a holy life in that scenario, um, relationships, good and bad, uh, through illness and everything in between as well. Uh, I remember having conversations with Jim about what would be wise to watch, where's the line between what's an inappropriate movie and what's a, what's a suitable one and how do I talk about my faith when I go to school and all these kinds of things and I really thank God for this church and the impact that it's had on me. Um, I don't think that I'd be standing here this morning with anything to say if it wasn't for men and women in this place so I'm really grateful to be back here and get to speak about this. And I guess it's my hope as well to model that whole thing to the young people that I work with, not only to see them mature in their faith and know more of who God is, but actually loving Jesus more and living for him in every moment of the life that he's given to them. That's what being a disciple and discipling others is all about. 
encouraging, teaching, and helping one another as we run the race, sharing everyday moments with a heart to see one another grow in the likeness of Jesus. Because I guess as Jim's kind of touched on, there's so much more for us in Jesus than just a one-time decision to put our faith in God. There's so much more of him to know than we know in that moment. There's so much more of him to love. There's so much more about him to discover. And he has so much more for us and wants to do so much more in us so that we might reflect him more and more in every moment and enjoy him more and more as well. And I guess in a world where the pressure to move away from the gospel is increasing and living distinctly in the ways that God has called us to is becoming harder, discipleship really matters. Because it makes the difference between a shallow believer who's going to struggle to hold on when the storm comes and someone rooted in the truth of Jesus, growing ever like him and loving him more fully. And actually that context, this kind of space that we live in at the moment, needs to shape the way that we approach discipleship as well. We need to give space for people to wrestle with questions, to be real, and to learn what it looks like to follow Jesus and trust him in every question and situation, even when the answer isn't going to be easy and actually the way forward isn't that clear. Discipleship needs to help us to be obedient to our saviour, who we know is good and kind. We've sung about that this morning, even when the storm gets rough. And it can't just be about teaching the right answers, but it must be about teaching people to love Jesus in every season. And particularly, I think, for our young people, um, although perhaps some of you could relate to this, depending on what you do, um, where the pressure to conform is intensifying, like every day, and we're struggling, I guess, to live out the ways that God's called us to in a world that's changing its mind on so many things. We need to be people who walk together to demonstrate and work out how we continually and faithfully live for Jesus. And I think part of the reason that I've thought so much about this is because I've seen the fallout of lacking discipleship in my work with students as I see young people walking away from Jesus, or perhaps creating their own version of Christianity that better suits their experiences, because no one's ever really taught them how to really follow and trust Jesus. They perhaps were just taught what to say and when to say it, but they were never taught what it looked like to really wrestle and follow him through all of the things that they would go through. Um, I met one student in particular, and and she's had a massive impact on me, actually, as I've thought this through, who was barely holding on to faith um, because she'd been given all these kind of pat answers about what it meant to trust God in your suffering, but she'd never been taught to wrestle with that, and actually she was questioning how God could really love her and how he was really good when all the things that had happened in her life had happened. Um, That's the kind of situation that I've seen, and I think that's because people weren't walking effectively with her. Um, I've seen the fallout as well of shallow discipleship as students see life without Jesus as sweeter and better than a life with him. Because rather than demonstrate the joy of faith to them, we've just kind of ticked a a Sunday box and moved on with our week and and kind of not talked at all about what we've been learning. I've walked with people who can't trust Jesus anymore because no one's shown them the beauty of their saviour who is kind and full of grace and big enough for their questions. And I think... While lots of those situations are very complex, that this is avoidable if we think seriously about what discipling one another really means. Our discipleship needs to help people continue in Jesus. Just like Paul calls the Colossian church to, I think the verse should be on the screen, it needs to be not just about receiving Jesus as Lord, but continuing in him and growing deeper roots and stronger foundations and richer worship showing each other how good a life with Jesus really is and growing ever more aware of the Spirit's renewing work in our lives. 
So I guess the question for us to answer this morning is how do we play our part in helping one another to reflect this in each other's lives? How do we make space for people to be real and wrestle with questions while still trusting in the one who has overcome? I think the Apostle Paul has a lot to say to us on this. So most of our time this morning, we're going to look together at his own reflections on his work in the church at Thessalonica. Um, Some of you guys might be familiar with um, the letter to the Thessalonians. Um, We're going to think together about how we might effectively help one another live lives worthy of the gospel as we walk together in this wonderful journey of discipleship. Um, So if you have a Bible with you, um, why not turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? I'll read it out for us. Um, and I'll kind of make reference to it as we go through. I'll give you an awkward moment to find it and take a drink while you do that. Okay, so we'll read from verse 1 in chapter 2. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness." We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Um, So keep that chapter open. We'll make reference to it as we go through. Um, But this chapter is all about Paul's ministry to this church in Thessalonica. And as he's describing his behavior among the Thessalonians when he first took the gospel to them, um, his heart for them is clear, I think. He wants these men and women to walk faithfully with Jesus until Jesus comes again. He wants them to grow as disciples who are able to stand firm through challenges and hardships, but also know the immeasurable joy of Jesus in each day. And as he goes on, he gives a handful of metaphors, some of which we obviously just read, um, to describe the way that he loved and cared for and taught his church as he shared the gospel with them. And I think that these can be a real help to us as we consider both what it means to be a disciple, but also what it will mean for us to be part of the work of making disciples as well. Keep following along, as I said, um, and we're going to dig a bit deeper into what Paul has to say to this church that he so dearly loved. And I think um, the first lesson, if you like note-taking, I've helpfully summarized them for you on a beautiful PowerPoint. Um, The first lesson we can learn from Paul is that rather than seeking approval and glory from people, as we disciple and share the gospel with others, we are to love one another deeply as a nursing mother loves her child. Uh, For Paul, Timothy, and Silas, sharing the gospel and raising disciples in this church was never about personal gain or desire for riches or fame in the local towns. 
They weren't trying to flatter the church with persuasive messages that ultimately proved to be false. But they remind them that the message that they shared in Thessalonica has produced fruit. It has actually served to transform the lives of the people who heard it. They have turned from idols to serve the living God. And that wasn't for Paul's benefit or glory, but for the glory of God. He wants this church to know that his motives were pure and they can trust what he taught them. He wasn't looking for man's approval, but seeking to build God's kingdom in their midst. And he did it simply because he cared for this church like a nursing mother cares for her own children. I guess I'd encourage you to think about that image that Paul's using there to describe his relationship with this church. I think that's probably one of the most intimate, kind of beautiful pictures that you could imagine. I haven't got children, but I have friends who do, um, and I know that nursing mothers give a lot of themselves to care for their, um, for their newborn babies. They almost give up all of themselves to serve them. Um, the mother's physical energy is drained as she gives of herself quite literally to keep her baby growing and healthy. Her very self, her very body gives life to that baby, and she doesn't give it the leftovers. She's giving the baby the very best of what she has, literally all that she has, to keep it growing. And while I imagine that it comes with pain and hardship, I'm sure it's also an act of pure joy and delight because it's her heart's desire to see that baby live healthily and happily and grow strong. What a challenging picture that is of Paul's love for this church, that he would describe his relationship to them like that intimate picture of a mother with her baby. He's holding nothing back from them to serve and grow them in the gospel. His only motive is care for these people who God has entrusted to him. And in every word and action, he treats them gently and never harshly. And they don't need to fear him because he loves them. And that's an image of discipleship for us today. Because it reminds us, firstly, that our motive should always be love. Never personal gain or glory. Um, there's been some obvious ways for you guys to respond today already that have been shared. And I guess we shouldn't be moved to act off the back of this series because we think somebody told us to, or it would look good if I went to that stand at the back of the service. The only right motive as we walk alongside each other is love. Love that says, have all that I have and come into my life because I deeply want you to know more of Jesus and I deeply want you to look more like him. A love so deep that it would give of itself with no hope of return to enable another person to grow, just like a mum with her baby. But that motivation of love and care doesn't just mean saying things that are warm and encouraging and kind, skipping over the challenges that we'll surely face as we walk through life together. In fact, it's actually the opposite of that. Love doesn't let another person continue on a path of destruction. Deep motherly love speaks up when it sees another person walking in a direction that is harmful for, for them and for the gospel. That's what this whole letter to Paul, from Paul is about. He's writing to help these people live a life that's faithful to Jesus. He's wanting to challenge them where they're not getting that right. He's wanting to encourage them to pursue holiness and live a life that's honoring to Jesus. He doesn't want to leave them as they are because it would be kinder not to say those things. He's moved out of love to act for them. So as we walk with others, let me encourage you to be willing to say the hard truths and be prepared to call out sin and challenge one another as you do that. It might not be a popular thing, but I guess that's the helpful reminder from this letter that it's not about us winning each other's approval. It's not about us getting fame. It's about us loving each other and helping each other be more formed in the likeness of Jesus. 
And I guess as we seek to find people to disciple us as well, we also need to find people we can trust and be honest with. That was what was really helpful, actually, about what was shared just now. It's about finding somebody that you have that connection with. Find somebody that you'll respect enough to let them challenge you. Somebody who you know is going to pursue your good, who's going to love you deeply. And as we disciple each other as well, let us be motivated by love and help one another live for Jesus. And the second image that Paul gives um, as he thinks about his relationship to this church is one of a father teaching and encouraging his children, um, teaching and encouraging them to live a life worthy of God. And he says in verses 11 and 12, I think it should be on the screen, um, you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Um, Paul wasn't just seeking to plant gospel seeds in the place that he went to or get a few people to tick count me in on a response form. He was a man with a desire to see these Christians grow in maturity. It wasn't just his desire to see a church full of people growing, but to see men and women transformed by the power of the gospel in every moment. He both encouraged and urged them to live out their salvation. And I think this is where the rubber hits the road with our discipleship. This is where we're reminded that we're not just trying to make each other better people through this experience. But the gospel that we've come to believe if we are saved in Jesus, the gospel that's actually brought us from death to life, actually has to change how we live. If we believe the resurrection to be true, then we look forward to a day when Jesus is going to come again. He actually is going to come back for us, and he actually is going to take us to be with him for eternity. That thing that we came to trust in when we put our hope in Jesus wasn't just a lovely message that we carry around with us. It changes everything. All this broken world will be restored, and his finished work will be seen in all of its perfection. It's not an empty hope, but a certain one. So as we teach one another, we're seeking to help each other live lives that are a reflection of that day that will come. Lives that are worthy of the God who gave his son to win us back. Lives that are full of hope, knowing that the gospel has literally changed everything. Lives that can't help but speak of the good news of Jesus because we want other people to come to trust in him as well. But also in that, we seek to help each other live in the reality of our salvation today. It's not just a hope that is to come, it's a hope for now. If we're in Jesus, then we are made new. That is who you are this morning. The old sinful life is gone, no matter whether you believe it or not. It died with Jesus when he died on that cross. And the new life has come, the new resurrection life, the holy life that Jesus has won for us. So as we disciple one another, we're helping each other throw off that old life and put on the new. Like a loving mother, we challenge one another when we go back to those old sinful patterns And instead, we help each other to think through what it would look like to put on that new life and to live in the light of what Jesus has done. We pursue together the fruits of the Spirit. We point each other back to Jesus like a father who wants his children to live in truth and have confidence in it. And that involves us teaching each other. God's word is what we need to feed on together if we're going to grow. It's the foundation of our growth, and it's the source of all the encouragement and comfort that we're going to need if we want to live lives worthy of God. The Bible tells us about this God that we seek to live for, so we need to open it together and teach one another from it. 
that we might know more of who God is, more of his will, and understand more of his work in our lives. Like Paul reminds the Colossians, like we looked at earlier, let us be strengthened together in the faith that we were taught in the beginning, digging deeper into the riches of God's word. And let us help one another, not just by sharing our own encouragements together, but actually looking at what our Father has for us in his word together. So there's some practical suggestions. Maybe that's just opening the Bible in pairs together. Um, that, maybe that's doing that in a small group where you work or where you live. Um, maybe it's going to conferences to dig a bit deeper into something that you're really interested in. Maybe it's reading a Christian book that's going to help you wrestle with a doctrine. And maybe it's just as simple as praying together with the person that you meet with. Even if it was just a coffee and Costa and a catch-up, why not make a habit of praying together at the end of every meeting? Why not make a habit of acknowledging together that the God that we live for and the God who lives in us is actually working in every moment to make us more like him? Lift up everything you talked about to him and let him work in your life as you walk away from that place. Uh, Pray on the way to pick up the kids from school or um, pray over the phone before you have that really important job interview. Um, Guys, if you're in school or college, pray together when you struggle to be bold and you don't know how to answer people's questions. Whatever it looks like, we must ensure that we're helping each other feed on the truth of the word and pointing each other back to Jesus. That's not just the job of our pastors and upfront teachers. That's not just the job of the leaders in this church. We are called to do that as people who love Jesus. We do that for each other. So make sure that the word is central to your discipleship, that you might really know and live for the one true God who's called you. And the final thing that I think Paul exemplifies to us from this passage is that actually discipleship is about sharing all of life. Um, I'm actually really encouraged by some of the stuff that's already been shared here this morning because I think this continues that thought um, that actually this isn't for people who feel super qualified and it's not for people who've got some kind of degree in discipleship or, or theology. All of us can do this because all of us live life. Every day we're learning something and every moment is an opportunity for us to teach somebody else something as well. Um, So, yeah, Paul tells this church that he was delighted not just to share the gospel with them, but to share his very life as well. They didn't just drop into Thessalonica with some teaching and then leave again, but they lived among the people that they were sharing the gospel with. And importantly, um, the life that Paul and the apostles lived amongst this church um, was a life of example. He reminds them in verse 10, if you still have your Bible open, that they saw his life and that they could testify as God could testify that they lived holy and righteous and blameless lives among the people that they shared the gospel with. And I think that that should really challenge us. I'm really challenged by that as I think this through. Because people are always watching us. Our non-believing friends and colleagues and neighbors are always watching what we do and listening to what we say. Our young people and our other Christian friends are doing that as well. So I think we just need to be challenged to think about what sort of life we're showing them. Are we reflecting the joy of our salvation or are we reflecting that actually knowing God is quite a burden? Do we reflect the difference the gospel makes or do we communicate that really it doesn't mean anything at all? Do we declare that life with Jesus is life to the full or a life of restriction and limitation? Paul could confidently let the Thessalonians watch his life and know that he was above reproach. And I think as we seek to live amongst each other and disciple one another, that perhaps that might be a challenge for us today. Is that the kind of life that I'm demonstrating to the people around me? But let me encourage you, if if you're hearing that thinking, gosh, okay, this is not for me because my life doesn't look like that. 
When we know that we failed and we're aware of our struggle, please don't feel disqualified. If, if we felt like that, I would not be here this morning. Um, because living life alongside people means every opportunity is a chance for us to display the gospel. Um, that happens in the good times and the bad times. Sharing life together means that people witness that not only do we say with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and say with our mouths that the gospel is good, but we actually live that in every moment of our life. These people in this church would have seen Paul in stress and difficulty as he was literally chased out of town for talking about Jesus. And yet they still, like Paul still trusts Jesus. They still witness that he trusts him. They would have heard of his imprisonment for the work that he was doing for Jesus and yet still singing of Jesus' goodness. They would have felt his joy as he wrote so kindly of them and showed them such love and such love for Jesus that even after being chased out of town and being imprisoned, he would not stop telling people about Jesus. And all of that taught this church what it meant to trust Jesus as Lord in every moment. So it isn't just the perfect moments that we're looking to share together, but our whole life, because in every moment there is an opportunity for discipleship. I've known the impact of that in my life personally. And one of the things that Jim asked us to share was, I guess, part of our own journey of discipleship. And I've actually thought quite a lot about it as I prepared for this. Um, I shared at the beginning about how leaders in this church and people in this church had played a huge part in my life as I've grown in my relationship with Jesus and in my gifts. Um, In particular, Jim and Abby um, played a huge part in that for me. Um, They were my youth leaders, and week on week, they were praying for me and with me, and not just for me, but I don't know how many other kids there were in that youth group. Um, They led us in Bible studies, they gave us space to ask questions, and they they literally taught us what it meant to trust Jesus and live a life that was holy. But they also invited us into their home. We got to see how, um, for example, the gospel shaped their hospitality, and how it was reflected in a generosity to share all that they had with all the people around them. I got to see how the gospel shaped the way that they parented their children, Um, the times when their patience was tested, the times when they had to say sorry for things that hadn't gone so well. Um, I got to see how the gospel shaped their marriage, how it gave them the ability to forgive and empowered them to work together to build relationship that was life-giving and good. And all of those moments have shaped me. And the wonder of that was that it wasn't just the good moments that they shared with me. I'm sure sometimes maybe they wished that it was. (laughs) Um, I was invited in when the day had gone badly, when they hadn't been the people that they wanted to be, when they struggled and they needed prayer for themselves. And all of that spoke to me. It helped me understand that actually Jesus wasn't just for Sunday. He shapes every moment. Our relationship with him affects the kind of conversations that we have, the things we do in our free time, um, the way we spend our money, the way we parent, the way we have relationships. And that's why discipleship matters, because all of us need help to see how Jesus changes all of those moments. And I've seen that to be true in the people that I disciple as well. Um, I've been walking with um, a girl named Lily for a few years now. She might watch this later and wish that I hadn't mentioned her. Um, She was a leader in the Christian Union, um, one of the people that I would have walked alongside for a couple of years as a student. Um, But I felt like God gave me a real heart to keep walking with her for a number of reasons. I thought, you know what, God's given me gifts and experiences that I think are really going to speak into Lily's life. Um, So as she's graduated, I've kept walking alongside her as she's gone into work, um, as she wrestles with what it means to be a Christian when she's not surrounded by Christians and all those kinds of big, exciting things things that we talk about. Um, And in more recent months, we've um, been much more intentional um, with the time that we spend together. 
as we've met to read the Bible. It's been really exciting to see the Spirit work in that. I never do any preparation for that, which is maybe to my shame. Um, We've actually read through 1 Thessalonians together, and it's been as simple as opening the Bible, reading a passage, praying, and saying, Lord, what, what do you want to say to us today? And it's opened up some incredibly profound conversations between us. But I also want Lily to see what it means for me to love Jesus every day, not just when I'm in the Word, but when I'm out in the street or in the shop or all those other places as well. So sometimes, when I'm at the end of myself and all I want to do is text her and say, please don't come today, I really don't feel like seeing you, I let her come round anyway. And sometimes we just watch TV and she beats me at a quiz, or um, sometimes we eat a meal together. And through those moments, sometimes she has to witness my sin. Um, She's seen me lash out at my husband Dave when he broke a clock on our kitchen wall. Um, It's not a point of tension anymore, I don't think. I think I'm over it. But everything in me wanted to take that situation back. We were having lunch, and I could not suppress my anger at that moment. And I felt so embarrassed and ashamed when she went home because I thought, I didn't show patience in that moment. I didn't show her what it meant to have grace. I wasn't godly in that moment. I didn't choose to do what the the godly thing would have been. And everything in me wanted to take it back. But actually, while there wasn't fruit initially, and while what I'd done was not right... Um, She saw in me that I also struggle with sin, and yet I keep walking with Jesus. She's seen that being a Christian doesn't mean I always get things right, but that doesn't mean that God isn't working in me and showering me with his grace every day. She's heard me apologize and reflect when I've made mistakes, and that's enabled her to share her life with me as well, because that's the beauty of discipleship. The more real I am with the person that I'm discipling, the more real they are with me. And that gives room for the Spirit to work, to sharpen us and shape us more in the image of Jesus. And my point in this is that each and every one of us has a part to play in discipling others. I'm looking at all of you. I wish I could individually look around at all of you. Because everybody has this responsibility. All of us are called to make disciples. It's not simply the job of our leaders, and it's not simply the job of the pastor to do that. All of us have experiences and insights and opportunities to teach others and help them grow. Your life can be used by God to shape and grow somebody else's. And that's his common grace, that we all have something to give. Sunday isn't the only place where we learn to live for Jesus. But actually, in every moment, we could be growing in love and likeness of him. Whether that's in midweek home groups or playing football on a Saturday morning or having coffee with a friend on a Monday morning. Discipleship is a two-way street and it's a gift that we get to share together because it's never just the person who's being discipled that gets to grow. It's all of us because as we live together as God's people, as we enjoy his truth together and live that out, he will work in us. Trust me, he will. I've seen it happen. But he will also work in the world around us. And this is where I think it gets super exciting. Because if we live as disciples, our friends and neighbors are going to see that faith in Jesus is transformative. Because Jesus is actually risen. It's not a fairy tale. And it's not a list of rules or a religion that we follow because we traditionally just go to church on a Sunday. We've come to find life in the God who made us. And we reflect that as we learn to live with him every day and in every situation. We can display to a watching world that in everything, Jesus teaches us and he shapes us and he grows us more into the people that he made us to be. The joys are sweeter because they remind us of God's goodness and kindness to pour out his blessing on us. 
And the lows are more bearable because we share them together in the arms of a God who's using everything for our good. Discipleship matters because it changes everything and it helps us better to display to a world full of lost sheep that there is a father who wants to call them home to life in all its fullness. And I think that that change can start today. There's loads of practical things that we can literally do off the back of this to think through how we start to put some of this into practice. Um, but let me give you a couple of suggestions, I guess, as we, as we come to a close um, of how you might respond off the back of this, how you might respond as you think about all that God has been teaching you through this series of discipleship for these last few weeks. Um, maybe you want to pray about your gifts Maybe you want to ask God to give you the name of one or two people that you could come alongside and disciple. Um, As a suggestion, why not ask God to show you the people in this congregation who have questions and who don't know where to find the answers? Or pray that he'd show you somebody with a budding gift that you might invest in and help grow. Be intentional in that decision and think about how you might do that today. Um, Or maybe actually you're not there and maybe you're sitting here thinking, I need somebody to do this for me. I need somebody to come alongside me. Um, if that's you, can I encourage you to make yourself known to somebody this morning? I know it's the heart of the leadership team here that you would have somebody walk with you as you grow in the likeness of Jesus. And don't sit alone in your questions, don't sit alone in your fears, but share those with somebody, and because there'll be somebody here who's had those same questions and those same fears who might help you live more faithfully for Jesus. Um, there's a third group, this one's a bit rogue, but I was thinking about this um, a little bit when I was preparing, that there might be some people here who just think this whole idea of discipleship either sounds really hard or just doesn't sound like something that you want to be a part of. Um, Maybe you know in yourself that you don't really have that desire to walk with Jesus. And actually, Jim said this already this morning, but maybe you're aware that you're quite comfortable being a Sunday Christian and you're happy to walk out of here and, and carry on with your life and do something different on a Monday. Um, Jesus has so much more for you than what you experience here. There's so much more of him to know and there's so much more that he wants to do in you. So if that's you and and there's like a, I guess, a hesitation in you to get involved in any of this, let me encourage you to ask God to to speak to you and to grow in you a a desire to know more of Jesus. Um, He will answer that prayer and it might be scary, but actually it's a beautiful thing. Um, I've experienced it in my own life. Um, that when I stuck with being a Sunday Christian, um, life felt hard and being a Christian didn't feel all that great. Um, But actually, as he answered that prayer and and grew me in my discipleship, uh, I've come to see the beauty of Jesus more and more. And I'd love that for you. So if if you feel like you're in that place today, why not ask him to grow that desire in you? Um, And tell somebody that as well. Like reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'm not feeling it today. That's okay, you're allowed to say that. Um, Let somebody minister to you in that place. Um, But I guess the joy is that wherever we're coming from, Wherever we are today, however you feel, Jesus can use you. None of us are finished. None of us are at the end. All of us have more to learn, more to grow, and more ways that we can reflect Jesus. And that's the beauty of this whole thing, that we're on a journey and we get to do that together. And what a precious thing that that is.